spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans, for the fans. Cajun Nation. I'm going to steal a Jay Walker here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen. Thirteen straight wins. You've got to be freaking kidding me. Welcome to Raging Review, Matt Miguez. Jerry Bear and the legendary man about town, Josh Jagno. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening. Was out. Was out. Very nice intro. Very nice. Thank you. 13. Ah, I, ah, I, ah, I stole ah, it. I stole it from Jay Walker. Um, the count. I got it in the Sesame Street. The count. While I was at work today, they, they kept running this commercial. You know, congratulations to the Louisiana Ridge Cajuns. New Orleans Bowl champions, blah, blah, blah. And then it had a bunch of highlight clips from the game Saturday night. And one of them was at the end of the game. It was Jay and Gerald Broussard, and they alternated. It was like one, two, three, all the way up to 13. And I was like, huh, that'd be a good intro to the pod. So thanks, Jay Walker. Appreciate that one. Um, Man, what a, what a game. I just... Saturday night perfectly summed up this football team, right? You know, you you played a you played a good opponent. You started off the game well. You get down. You back yourself into a corner basically going into the fourth quarter. Um cuz let's be honest, at the beginning of the fourth quarter right there, right after that targeting penalty. If Marshall goes down the field and scores right there, the game's over. It's over in that moment. We would have been down what? 13 at that point with zero momentum. We'd have been, we'd have been out 12. Okay. Yeah. 12, 13 uh, with, with zero momentum game games over at that point. Um, which is why you know I, I say that the X factor or the turning point of the game was that targeting penalty, and, and people kind of look at me like, "How? I mean, how could you even say that?" But I mean, it's true. Right after that penalty, you get a quick three and out, which riles up both the sidelines and the stands. You get the ball back, and then you score twenty points from that point. How was that not the turning point of the game? I think the turning point in the game was right. At, I, I, I'll, I'll do a 50-50. I'll meet you halfway here. I think part of the turning point was that, that hit, the personal foul. But I also think after they got the defense got the three and out and the Cajuns got the ball back, Levi took a sack on third and 13, and then he threw that play action deep ball. Was it to Jefferson, I believe? Oh, dude, that double. You're talking about that double move? Yeah. The the pump. Oh man, that was beautiful. 
Yeah, well, it, it was Michael Jefferson. So beautiful. But what's ironic, we really didn't do much offensively until that play. And it was and it was right after a sack. I'm watching going, oh, great. We took another sack. We're going to have to punt. Did you just say we didn't do much offensively before that point? Not not from the not from the last field goal going into halftime. We we our offense was pretty much Oh, in, in the second half, agreed. Agreed. Right. right. Oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. I offense thought you were talking about the whole game. Over. I was like, no, um, no, no. Okay, right. Um, but up up until that point from right. that field goal that Nate kicked to go into the locker room at halftime, we really agreed. I mean, we had that one drive. We had that one drive where we went for it on fourth down from the twelve and you know, it was an incomplete pass. And after that we really didn't do much. And then it wasn't until that play. Right. That Man. really kickstarted the the that that twenty point turnaround. That so I think between the Jaron Wilson hit, which we'll talk about in a second, with the three and out on top of that third and thirteen conversion over the top to Jefferson, though I'll I'll put them as a combo. I think both of those were turning points that allowed us to have the fourth quarter that we had because that lit a spark on our sideline. Call this call this a hot take if you want to. That that pump double move by Levi was the best play of his career. That was the nicest move that that kid has ever made. Well, I think I think the main thing about Levi all season is that he's hit a few good long long bombs that he usually had never had right. hit before. This year, actually, Levi was pretty pretty solid on the long ball. That particular play, he pretty much put it on the money. If, oh, it was actually, right on the money. I'll say, I'll say if he would have led him by maybe another yard, because if you notice, Jefferson kind of, he didn't come back, but he slowed down. Levi leads him by one more yard. He's in the end zone. Now, I'm not going to get nitpicky and say, well, he should have done that. But in spite of that, it was still a beautifully thrown ball. Yeah, that was a great and ball. Really, Levi's arm the other night, some of those deep balls he threw, I, I'm like, dude, where? And, and you know, where is this I'll, pin, man? I'll, I'll like, say, I'll say this also. Again, call it a hot take if you disagree. Saturday night was the best game of Levi Lewis's career. But he steps up in big games. We know that he did it two years ago against uh, Miami, Ohio, and Mobile. He did it against App State twice this year. You know, he I did mean, it. He did it um, last year against UAB. He did it. He did it against UTSA last season as well. Um, 19, 19 of 31, 270 yards and a touchdown. The and then only, he had 74 rushing yards. To me, the only real bad game that Levi had against stiff competition was, was Texas. Yeah, but every the whole team had a bad played, game. But it seemed like every time we played tougher and stiffer competition, Levi played better. Yep. It was the comp- it, it was the Nichols game. It was the Ohio game where he looked Mississippi like Mississippi State wasn't a great game. But it was his. I mean, it was his first start. Like it was his first. Well, okay, it was his first real start, right? Oh. As the starting quarterback, and yep. even that game, he kept. I mean, he did okay, but every time it seems like we played an opponent that looked beatable yep. by multiple scores, he really didn't play as well. But when you put him up against the better competition. Yep, I'll agree. I agree with you. He did great. I agree with you. He, I mean, he, he did fine. I mean, look, and, and the, thirty-four and, the, and five was his record overall as a quarterback at UL. That's 30, 36 and five. Thirty-six and five. I stand corrected. Thirty-six, 36 and, five. and five. So 
I mean, what more can you say other than, hey, man, thanks for everything that you did for this program and yeah, best of luck ab- to you, absolutely. bro. Um, um, and, man, the fact that he was only 14 yards away from Jake's record. Man, that sucks. Man, I'll say it's fitting. But I'll also say that Troy and Coastal Carolina in 2019 are Levi's two best games he ever played off the top of my head. Uh, I thought he played fine Saturday. I want to give a big shout-out for the haters to my boy Nick – sorry, Nate Snyder for being totally lights out Saturday and really for the the Sunbelt Championship game. When we needed that guy, something that we argued for, I don't know, the entire season that we shouldn't abandon the kicking game, uh, looked like Mike showed some real confidence in him. He went out there and nailed some some big-time kicks. Of course, he was perfect on extra points the last two games. That's important. That's going to be overlooked, but it was a big part of the game. I thought we came out. Uh, I thought that our script on offense on the first drive was absolutely perfect. I, that's the best we've looked offensively in a long time. Just from, I mean, keeping a defense on its heels, uh, uh, just execution was flawless. Uh, that first drive was very nice to see. Now, we moved the ball in the first half between the 20s, but we kept stalling inside the red zone, which was a little bit disappointing, and it felt like it was going to come back to bite us, uh, which it almost did. But like you guys said, after the Jaron Wilson hit and the slow go to Mike, uh, it was just uh, pure domination by the Cajun offensive line after that. Uh, but I thought defensively we made some excellent uh, – it our, our adjustments – on the line of scrimmage and our linebackers, uh, we just played so much better defensively in the second half. Uh, but to that, to the point of the hit and and the big play, the big pass play, offensively we were flat, which was it was weird because it felt like the offensive line was playing a little a little bit better, but it felt like our our play calling was I felt like we were taking more chances than we needed to. Uh, I thought Levi made some pretty bad decisions and take took a few sacks that really were unnecessary. Uh, that hurt us. We had some some negative plays in big situations in that that third quarter that that hurt us at critical times. Uh, but other than that, I loved the passion that we played with in the fourth quarter. You could tell that some of those guys knew it was their their last few minutes together. Felt that way. Um, I don't know. It was a good game. The crowd that we did bring, which I don't know what what they announced. By the way, if you guys have the number, twenty one six forty two. 21, yeah, that's pretty 21, terrible. 21-642. Well, so the 15,000, 16,000 Cajun fans that were there, uh, they were loud and into it and rowdy, and it was fun. Uh, still a, an extremely disappointing showing. But, again, I understand all the factors. Totally get it. So I'm not getting on anybody. Uh, but, you know, 13-win team, you would expect a little more support than that. But I don't want to get into that just yet. Uh, but But just strictly on the field, I thought that we made great adjustments on the offensive line throughout the game. I know a lot of people were doing a lot of new things. We had to shift some guys out, um, move some guys' position. Uh, we had new players play. So big shout-out to Shane Vallo. He played an incredible game. I thought that uh, Bergeron played an excellent game. We hadn't seen a ton from him over the course of the last 10 games. So it was good to see him get some, some PT and some action. Saw Neil get some, some attention on offense. That was great. You know, Jacob Kyron Bernard, Lacey, Jacob Bernard. I mean, these are guys that we're going to rely on next year. So it was good to see them get some reps. You know, Imani Bailey, what can you say? 
I mean, my guy, that guy's a star. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to forget anybody. Obviously McCaskill and Chauncey Manack were absolutely outrageous. Uh, the young Trahan came up with the well. pick. Say again. Braylon Trahan came up with that pick. Oh man, that was the half. And that was part of the defensive adjustments. Look, I was underwhelmed by Grant Wells. I thought that he was okay. And yeah, no, I thought I mean, he's freshman he's, year he's, he's at Marshall. Nothing, he's nothing special. Now that well, running freshman back year at Marshall, at Marshall, he 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 really looked like he was going to set the college football world on fire. But ever since, I don't know, man. He, he, now, he just looks like he's not half the player he was as a freshman. Rasheen Ali. He's a good ball player. He's an animal. He's, he's an good. animal. But but Marshall's offensive line is also very good, too. Yeah. No, they are. They are. You you gotta get you gotta give the guys up front credit. But I mean, God. Fourteen hundred yards and twenty three touchdowns in your freshman season. Holy you know, moly. I, you know, I want to go back to what Josh mentioned about the offensive um, or the lack of execution or the play calling was a little off. Um, I have to give credit to the Marshall front seven. They actually, for a good, probably a good two quarters, from the second to third quarter, they actually held their ground against our rushing attack. Um, we really didn't get much penetration off the off the edge. Um, I thought I thought they exposed the fact that Max Mitchell wasn't in, plus they moved Ken Marks to the right side. I thought they were able to expose that. And you notice some, um, you know, usual runs by Montreal Johnson that would otherwise be 10 yard carries turned into loss of yards. That that's, that's a credit to, to the way Marshall, they, their defense in front seven, they stacked the box. They did a really good job containing the run. I think towards the end, we made adjustments though. I thought, you know, we, we followed our blocking assignments in the fourth quarter pretty well. And guys like Amani Bailey and even in Montreal too, they were able to follow their blocks. They were a lot more patient as well, uh, choosing their holes and, and lanes on where to go. But you talked about Marshall's offensive line. You know, I got to give credit to the Cajun defense. And how about the job that Wes Neighbors did first game as the interim defensive coordinator? You know, Rasheen Ali had 130 yards on the ground, I believe, or 140 yards on the ground in the first half. He only had like 30 yards in the second half. Every time they try to run him on the edge, the Cajuns just swarmed. The defense swarmed to the guy. Uh, there were a few times, even after that Jaron uh, Wilson hit, they were trying to get Ali the ball and, and try to ice the game. The Cajun defense had none. They didn't. They they had none of it, and and they got they they took care of business and they forced Wells to throw, which didn't work out too well. So I thought the big difference here was the fact that the Cajun coaching staff, which by the way was mostly an interim coaching staff, made some really really in, good in game adjustments, especially in the fourth quarter. This game, in spite of the fact that we had a really an interim staff, I'm not worried about who Mike brings in to, to some of these, these uh, the, as position coaches, because if an interim staff can make adjustments around what we have, I know it's a hot take. I, when I say that, I'm not as worried. I really think we'll, he's going to find some, some quality coaches. I really do. Hey, I'm, I'm going to say, you're good. I will agree and disagree. Billy Napier says it all the time. This is a talent acquisition business. We have a lot of talented kids on that field. Uh, well, well, just past Saturday, we had a ton of talent on the defensive side. Those those adjustments get a little bit easier when you have that type of talent. So I, I'm going to say I, I, I agree with you that his ability to find a coach is, is not too worrisome. Uh, but I'll also say that we have some big shoes to fill in 2022, especially on the defensive side. 
And uh, I'm not going to project what happened Saturday too much ahead because we're losing some NFL players. Uh, But I will say that we have a lot of young talent on the roster, especially in the secondary. So I have, I have a lot of confidence uh, in the players that we already have in the program, Uh, but specific to Wes and, and the defensive adjustments. Again, I've already mentioned it, but I thought that the coaching staff did an outstanding job top to bottom um, Rory Seagrass still, you know, being a stalwart on that on that uh, defensive line um, helped. Of course, they are familiar with those guys. But Wes, they've he's been here forever now. Uh, we, we've got guys that didn't leave to go to Florida that were integral on Saturday. So big big shout out to them. I'll say this: if for some reason Mike Desermo does not promote Wes Neighbors to defensive coordinator. I would, and some people are going to disagree with this. Some people might call this a hot take. I would like to see us at least interview Lance Gidry. (laughs) And for the listeners, Jerry's shaking his head no. (laughs) (laughs) And I like Lance. We all do. I mean, Marshall's Marshall's got a good defense. The guy's got local ties. He can recruit. I mean, what what's the downfall? I think that uh, history is sometimes a hard thing to overcome, and I, I don't, I, I don't want to get too far into it. But I think I think there may have been a bridge or two burned there. But I think West is a good young coach. However, if he's not the guy, I think we have our eyes set a little higher than that. No offense to Lance Gidry, just it's a fact of the matter. We have okay, guys so that coach at, at who. At who? Who, who? who are you thinking? Well, first of all, Lamar Morgan is a defensive assistant at Vanderbilt that would fit right in with us. Culture-wise, he knows the area. He can recruit. Um, I mean, hell, he's one of the best defensive. I mean, he was uh, he was here. Secondary. Yeah, exactly. He's already been in the program. So uh, I think that might be an option. Look, that's just my opinion. I don't have any inside information on that. But, uh, but no, and, and another thing I want to say is Norid, Mike Norid, our offensive line assistant coach got to believe he played a big role in, uh, in making those adjustments on the offensive line and would ultimately ended up being a very Cajuns like fourth quarter, yep. turn around, hand the ball off to the horses and let them run. So there's some guys, I know everybody's, they've got their eyes on the people who left and they're upset and I get it. I'm not too thrilled about it either. Uh, but there are coaches that are still here that want to be here that are talented and know what the hell they're doing. And I think that they they left their fingerprints on that bowl win. Why why was why was Mike Desimo hired? What what was the main reason why why Brian Maggard offered Mike the job as head coach? What was the main reason? Keep everything in motion. Keep everything because it's in not place. broken. Right. So so what I'm saying here is as far as assistants go, guys like West Neighbors. Basically, what you're saying is you keep the culture intact, right? It's all about the culture, keeping the culture that got us to this point intact. No, look, I like Lance Gidry. He's a passionate coach. I think he's, you know, he's, he's a people person. My biggest question for a Lance Gidry would be, does he fit the culture here within our program? That would be my biggest question for him. Look, I think he's a, well, he, he, the players love him. He is a player's coach, but it, it doesn't matter what type, even for Lamar Morgan, who was a former player and a former coach here, you know, that's one thing that we're going to have to look at, regardless of who applies for these jobs. Do they fit the culture? Do they fit the the, the, the the culture within our program? 
that has allowed this to work that. So, so I'm, I'm, you know, like I said, I do think that Mike can find some really good assistance and if they buy in, which I don't know why they wouldn't want to buy in with the success we've had, I think it would be fine, which honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, like you said, they may have some better names out there, but maybe a guy like a West neighbors, maybe he may fit the mold of being promoted to defensive coordinator. Patrick Tony was, I, I don't know. I'm not Mike. I can't decide that, but I think it really is well, about the cultural here's, fit here. here. Here's the interesting thing. Mike Desermo doesn't 100% know. It, it's a, anytime you hire anybody, that's a risk you take. You're taking a risk on that guy working out or not working out. Um, I do know by listening to Mike's interview with Scott Prather this morning that he is hoping to have the staff hired by January one. Um, Good, that's so perfect. very very soon. Uh, he said that ideally he'd like to have everything wrapped up this week. There's no question that dude is getting resume well, he, after resume. He, on he, his staff. he said that he's, he 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 said that already that he's gotten phone calls. He said there's he said there's a lot of good people interested. Yeah, there's no um, question. I mean, why why wouldn't you want to be a part of this? Well, yeah, I mean, Top for sure. Top 25 program, South Louisiana talent. Why, I mean, what assistant coach would not want to be a part of this if they want to – and seeing the fact that we've lost assistance already to SEC schools, why, why wouldn't you not want to be a yeah, part of I this? I mean, for, for sure, for sure. Um, while we're on the subject of staff changes, uh, two more – Announcements were, were made. Uh, Doug Domang is leaving the UL program to go to Florida to join Billy Napier. Um, I do know that um, from from what I've heard, it's going to be a football-only position. So his, his workload will be a lot less. Than, than what it was here at Louisiana. Um, and so we thank Doug for, for what he did for us and wish him the best in Gainesville. Um, also, director of on-campus recruiting, I'm just going to say Bree because I would butcher her name otherwise. Josh or Jerry, if y'all know how to pronounce Bree's name, tell me out. But uh, Bree Wade, our director of on-campus recruiting, uh, she has announced that she is leaving the program. Um, we do not know where she is going or her reasons for leaving, but it has been announced that she will be leaving the Louisiana football program. Um, so if you go on the UL job board right now, there are plenty of open football positions that that need to be filled. Um, so anybody listening to Rage and Review that feels like they could be a qualified applicant, please go apply. Um, Josh, before we get away from the bowl game, I, I want to ask you because you got a different perspective than I did. Um, I was working the bowl game for Underdog Dynasty, uh, so I didn't get to go venture in the quarter and you know stuff like that. I'm sure you did. Um, what was what was the experience 
of of New Orleans like for the bowl game? I'm happy to get into that, but before we leave the game, I want to just tell everybody everybody out there that doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Jaron Wilson did not make a dirty hit. He's not a dirty player. That was not a dirty play. So y'all can stop complaining. There was a football play that took place. It was unfortunate. The rules are such that it was a targeting. Uh, Both players contributed to the fact that that was a targeting. I don't care if he celebrated. He's a 19-year-old football player in the last game of the season. I don't care. I don't care. It wasn't dirty. So I just wanted to cover that real quick before we move on because it needed to be said. You guys can break it down if you want. Uh, But as far as the New Orleans experience, uh, look, man, maybe I'm getting older. Maybe I've done this five other times or four other times, whatever it was. Um, Maybe New Orleans really is a different place. Maybe the restrictions did impact the buzz around the city. I don't know what it was. Um, I did not have a lot of fun. The most fun I had was winning the game, which, of course, is always the most fun part, right? But uh, the Dome was fun. It wasn't well attended, so it wasn't, you know, the atmosphere that you would typically like. Uh, But it was fun to be back in the Dome. I did not get – I don't think I got asked for my vaccination card maybe one time. I didn't at all, which I found quite interesting. I didn't enter a single place where anyone was wearing a mask. I don't know if I put the mask on the entire three days that I was there. Uh, I did venture out into the quarter on Friday afternoon for about 30 minutes. And then again, Saturday night for about 30 minutes. I I don't know, guys. Uh, I've been going to New Orleans my whole life. I've done the quarter. I I typically end up on Frenchman's or magazine. That's more my style. Uh, but I did go on to bourbon for just a few minutes and uh, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. I didn't see a sea of red out there. I did see a few people, you know, posted up at the, at the bar and things like that, but crowds were different. Um, the, the mood was a little subdued. Uh, crowds were smaller in every place you went. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe other people will, will tell you different. Maybe you'll tell you they had, a different experience. I'm not going to say we didn't have a good time because of course we did. I mean, I was with Catherine and Catherine's a lot of fun and we had fun in our own way, but it wasn't in the shaker clubs, you know, sweating to a, a Kenny Chesney song, none of that goofy stuff. It was, it was more just kind of the adult fun, right? We went to Irene's on Friday. We, we, uh, Oh, Oh, I did have a very interesting experience Saturday night. The game let out so late, you know, everything was pretty much closed. So we're hiking around St. Charles and we find this chicken spot called Brothers. Maybe oh, y'all are familiar. Oh, dude, yes. Brothers. Yes. Dude. Oh. Yes, indeed. So, so we stand in line with about 80 other people. It's basically like a general store with a chicken place. So I cannot tell you how many times, whether, you know, a high school state championship or I've gone to a concert in New Orleans or whatever, and it's the same situation. You know, you get. You leave late, everything else is closed, and you're starving, right? And, you know, every time we'd go to New Orleans, we'd always either stay at the Hyatt or um, there's a Hampton on, I think, is it Carondelet? Yeah, Carondelet. Um, There's a Hampton down there. And so anytime we'd go to New Orleans, my parents would always stay at one of those two hotels. 
and there was always a brothers right there on the corner. Oh man. So I've never, I've never had, I've never had brothers this is the first time, but you know, I didn't know what to expect. And usually if it's late, Oof. I'll skip the meal. I, I skipped the meal, but you know, after 7 million beers in two days, I had to eat. So we're standing there and apparently after midnight or after one o'clock, you can't buy a beer at a general store. I think that's a rule or something there, which is ridiculous. So I, but I had a beer and Catherine had a beer and we're waiting in line and drink our beer, grab, grab our chicken. The lady fusses at me for drinking the beer in the general store. I said, well, I've been in line for an hour. I mean, you gotta give me some grace here. Right. So we get, we get, we get our chicken and we decide to walk back to the hotel well, we walk back to the hotel and it, you know, all the, all the, uh, the brass was there. It's like Nico and, and, uh, Brian and all them. I was like, man, I don't want to eat chicken in front of these guys. So we go up to the second level and there was nobody up there except for like Hans. We ran into a couple of people. So we sit down and we start eating this chicken and I ain't lying, dude. We, it's, I think we got 10 pieces of chicken. It's so good. I mean, between her and I, we crushed it. It's we so good. Crushed it. <laughs> she, she looks at me after like the third bite. She goes, this is the best chicken I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> it's so good. And I don't, I don't so know good. what they do. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they do to it. I don't know if it's the batter or the season or what, but it's, oh it man. It was perfectly seasoned. Oh, and man. we just so happened to get the fresh batch. So it was good. But I know that's a long, a long-winded, dumb story, but it was just funny, a funny takeaway. We, uh, <laughs> then we had the option to go see Cats at the Singer, which we passed on, obviously. Uh, but, he but, said, no, obviously. It, it, <laughs> it, it was, it was a, it was just a different experience this time, Matt. Uh, you know, I, I will tell you this. A lot of people saw me and, uh, you know, wanted to talk about the pod, which was very cool. A lot yeah, of people wanted cool. to talk about Rage and Review. Uh, I met Trey Amos's dad and mom uh, in line to get into the game. We recognized each other from Twitter, of course, which is just so, you know, millennial right. of me. So, <laughs> so on brand for Man About so Town. So on brand. So him and I, we cut up a little bit and he was, he was just giddy to, to talk to us. I said, I'm one of the guys on the podcast. He's like, Oh shit. I've been wanting to meet y'all. So it was really funny. Uh, but, but no, anyway, about new Orleans, it, it is, it is true. The city is different than the last time I was there, which was in October of 2020, which it was different there than it was the year before. So I don't know, man, maybe other people have a different experience, but it was a much more calm subdued experience in NOLA this time around. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of just from what I could see on social media, it, it kind of came off that way. Um, just, just as a little bit of a different experience, but, um, man, I'll, I'll tell you from, from my point of view, from a, from a working media member perspective, I had a hell of a time. I got fed super well both at the media day press conference and at the game. Uh, I mean, red beans and rice, jambalaya, chicken tenders, you, these giant cookies in the, just these pre-wrapped like giant cookies, man. So good. I probably ate like eight of them throughout the whole weekend. Absolutely. I don't think I ran into too many free opportunities. I will say this though. And I got to say this cause Joe will kick my ass if I don't. Our buddy Joe that helps us do the live shows when we do on-site shows. Ah. Uh, he he had this, uh, w- one of his buddies had this, he had an injury, right? So he has one of those little scooters, those Ron Hart, the, uh, Ron Hunter right, scooters. Right, the little. Yeah, the little scooter longs. Right. And he had strapped a Raging Cajuns flag to that thing. Oh, no way. 
and we were in walk-ons a couple hours before the game and he's just right. So you had to be there, but the dynamic was like most of the Cajun fans were in the bar section and most of the Marshall fans were in this like separate room at walk-ons. Was he riding through the Marshall section with his Rage of Cajun flag? You know, he was what an asshole. He he would, (laughs) he would wait 15 or 20 minutes and he'd come back and and he'd hang out with us. We'd drink a beer or two and then he'd wait and then he'd go back into the Marshall area. He'd piss them all off. He'd come on back. (laughs) (laughs) He got, he got a raging Cajun chant going in there, dude. I mean, that, that was a lot of fun. He should have had, he should have had one of those bicycle horns to like blow the horn as he drives by (laughs) with the flag. That would have been. That's well, I'm funny. glad I'm glad you guys had a good time. Unfortunately for me, I had to uh, stay behind. There's um, father fatherhood could come to the a bear household at any time. Jerry's so Jerry's on baby watch. I'm on baby watch right now. So uh, we we were we wanted to stay close because I'm gonna tell you right now with my luck, with my luck, we could have been at the game. Oh, you'd have caught something. It, it, it was something would have happened. Hey, babe, it's time. You know. And so we decided to stay put. I, look, we've been to every other New Orleans bowl. Um, couldn't go last year to Dallas, but been to the been to the bowl in Mobile. And this was the first New Orleans bowl we've missed. But uh, we were able to watch it on TV, and we're glad we got a lot of friends that were down there. So uh, it's all you fans listening, going, man, where was Jerry? I don't think anybody really cares. But uh, I I was here in Lafayette watching the game on TV, screaming at my TV in the other room. And also um, holding the foot fort down for uh, for our Twitter page. We did some Twitter spaces, and I want to thank the Cajun fans for coming on. And um, yeah, I was able to do that while uh, yeah. while you I, guys were. I joined that Twitter space at one fifteen in the morning while I was driving. How, yeah, I was surprised. How did that's what went well? It went well. We had we had about close to I think about forty people at one point. Nice. asking questions, giving their input on, on, on the season. And, That's you know, great. it was, it was a lot of fun just to kind of say it out loud on how crazy it is that we're a 13 win team. Yep. Um, and, and I think a lot of fans would agree with that. And the ones that were on the Twitter space said the same thing, like, man, I oh, dude, it, it's unreal. Never it's unreal. Imagine something like this, but um, yeah, so I, I held the fort down for, for all of our social media pages and everything like that. And I'm glad you guys had a good time. But I told I told the Mrs. when the little one's born next year, uh, we're going to look, I'm raising I'm raising my, my little one to be a, a Cajun. Since, next since year's birth, next so. year's New Orleans Bowl is going to be baby a bears first. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. For By sure. the way, but before I'm, before we move on from the New Orleans Bowl, shout out to the New Orleans Bowl for my awesome little cup. Oh, I'm, there you I'm go. All, I'm all about it. <laughs> That's pretty sick. Hey, another thing I want to say about that is, you know, people who listen to us don't even know about this Twitter space stuff. Honestly, I didn't know about it until, I don't know, two months ago, maybe a month and a half ago. We, we strongly encourage anybody that has a Twitter account to join the Twitter spaces because they can be, I mean, really it's, it's a group therapy or it can be a group celebration. As many people, I mean, I've seen Twitter spaces in the SEC that have five, six, 7,000 people. Yeah. So if you guys listen to us and have a Twitter page and you see a space going on, please join. It's, it's, it's actually very informative and a lot of fun. Yeah, they are. Yeah, we had, They're we had times. about what the one we did a few weeks ago, we had over what 250 it was, people. Yeah. I want to say we had almost 300 people in at one point. Yeah. That was, I think, wasn't that the night before the championship? No, wasn't the night or before Monroe. the championship. Uh, it was the weekend before the championship. Okay. It was, it was the weekend yeah. before it was Monroe. It was yeah. Monroe weekend. Uh, and, cause, cause I was out of, cause I was out of town for that one. 
And the reason why we do it, yeah, that is true. You were out of town. And the reason why we do a Twitter space as well, like Josh talks about it being, you know, a, a group therapy or a celebration, you know, we want, we want our fans and our listeners to, to give some input, you know, uh, give, you know, give some feedback, whether it's about raging review or talk some Cajun sports, you know, it's, it's an open forum and all opinions are welcome. Um, you know, we welcome your points of view. So yeah, we, we, um, we, we've really enjoyed it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we used to have the rage and all that stuff, and that's a cool call-in situation. This is that on steroids. Right. I mean, right. you have a Twitter space. Literally, all you have to do is request to speak, and you can give your input and get feedback. And, and not only are you conversating with whoever's hosting the space, you can conversate with anybody that's in the Twitter space. So yeah. it's, it's really much better than the traditional call-in radio situation. And from, from our benefit – we can record it and turn it into an episode and you can be featured on Rage Interview. How cool is that? That which, is true. Which is most definitely coming. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, let's see. Let's talk early signing period. Um, actually, no. Before we do that, I have two statistics that I found that I find incredibly interesting and I feel like need to be discussed. Actually, there's more than two. There's a few of them. Um, I'm going to start with turnover margin. Can either of you, do either of you have a guess as to where we finished nationally in turnover margin? I'm going to guess. Actually, Josh, you go first on this. I would say top 20 in the country. Okay. I was going to say top 30, 23, 24-ish. Okay. You ready to get your mind blown? We're second nationally. Beautiful. Yeah, wow. we don't we don't turn the ball over. So this season, we had ten interceptions and recovered thirteen fumbles. So we defense forced twenty three turnovers. Levi threw four interceptions, and we lost four fumbles. So we had a turnover margin on the year of plus fifteen. That is un. The only school in America to have a better turnover margin is Nevada at plus 16. And I would guess that they had more turnovers than we had. They did. They had one more turnover than we did, and then they forced two more than we did. So um, another interesting statistic, net punting. Now, we all know Reese Burns is God. The punt goat. But seeing the numbers is unreal. Where do you think, where do you think, well, they label it as Louisiana, but Reese is the only person that punted for us this year. So, where do you think Reese finished nationally? Six, seven. I was going to say seven feels like a good number. Okay, well, y'all are both wrong. It's ninth. Huh. Damn. Pretty close. Still top ten. Yeah. Hey, top Still, ten. Top 10, ten nationally. He had in, he punted in fourteen games. He had two thousand six hundred and thirty nine punting yards. That's amazing. You know, we we've always talked about those those hidden plays and the intangibles and things like that that the team does that we don't really. I, well, we do, but lots of people maybe that don't really dig into it. Uh, maybe don't realize how we win these games and how we win close games and how we 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 manufacture Ws. Those then, are two of the biggest stats. 
And then the last statistic I have, total defense. So we all know our defense was great this year. Where do you think they finished? So when you say total defense, does that include – what does that include? Is that this total is, yardage plus – This is it, – it's basically yards per game. Total yards? Yeah. Man, that's that's tough. I'd say 23-22. No way. No. You guessed I'd it say, right on the head. 23. Oh, I was going to say – I was going to say 30. 23rd. 23rd yeah, point. At Three, one point, uh, points allowed, we were top 25 also. 336.4 yards per game. That's awesome. still not good enough because it wasn't number three like our basketball team right. was. Right, right Oh, here comes Jerry throwing a haymaker for no I'm reason. I'm sorry. I had to. That was wrong. Forgive me. Um, I apologize. So just, just unreal. Like, again, we, we sat here all year and talked about how good our defense was. But it it just puts it into perspective when you see the numbers, you know. And uh, quick, quick. And my dig. favorite, my, my favorite thing about it is they got better as the season right. went on. Right, dude. You realize we gave up? I think we we ended up giving 19, 19 points on the year. We gave up two points over our average with a couple of major contributors not playing in the game against a good offense. Right. So I, I think that's great coaching and and really great. Uh, support from there too deep. I, th- I think what's surprising to me now in a, in a, in a college football culture that is all about scoring, you know, the RPO and even in the G five, right? G five, your best teams score a lot of points. Even teams like Cincinnati have given up a lot of points to their peers in the American or whoever they play outside of Texas. And what I'm trying to think off the top of my head, Cajuns really haven't given up more than 30 at all. I, I, I don't think. Uh, let me, I guess I'd have to do some research on that, but Texas, that's it. That Texas. was it. Yes. Yeah. So, I yep. mean, even as a, as a defense for, for a G five, that's known that have teams that are known to score points. We, we really didn't give up much. We really did not Hell, give up. We, much. we, we didn't it, give, we didn't give up over 20 very often. No, it's, it's, it's a good point, Jerry. I, you know, one thing I like about the Sunbelt, more and more is, you know, at least our teams try to run the ball and play defense. That's college football. Right. And look, the AAC is, you know, aired out. It doesn't matter. The games are 56 to 58. I know America likes to see points. Uh, but at its core, football is line of scrimmage, defense, run the ball. In, the, in this conference, and, we, you know, we might not be great at it at every program, but in this conference, we try to play real football. We play that Southern style football. And that was, we talked about it when we started talking about what kind of offense will we like Mike Mike, uh, to run going forward. I want to do exactly what we're doing. I want to play nasty defense. I want to run the ball. That aired out stuff, that works on some Saturdays. Running the ball and playing good defense works every Saturday. Yeah, works every single time. Every single time. We're going to take a break right here on Rage Review long opening segment but when we come back we're going to talk about the early signing class that mike desermo and his staff have put together and we may go on a rant or two about basketball you don't want to miss that rage interviews right back after this 
Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210 Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana Athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Bear, and Josh Jagno. It's time to dig deep into the early signing class for 2022. Eight players have signed their national letter of intent. And every single one of them either reside in the state of Louisiana or the state of Texas. And every single one of them is a three-star recruit. According to 24-7 Sports, um, we'll give you a little bit of background on each kid, and we will start with the highest-rated recruit in the class. He is also, according to 24-7 Sports, the highest-rated recruit in our history. Lorenzel Dubois, a six foot, 175-pound cornerback out of Neville High School. He is rated as the 47th best corner in the country and the 22nd best athlete in the state. And the best thing about him is that he was once a tech recruit that flipped to the Cajuns. You are right. I was just about to get there. Um, that's, that's definitely the best part 
um, about this young man. You know, from from the tape that I've seen, he's just a pure shutdown corner. And you know, no no knock on on the guys we have in our secondary now, but I feel like that's kind of what we've been lacking. Ever ever since you know a guy like Michael Jaquet left, we we've been lacking a pure shutdown corner. Eric, I'm sorry that Matt just said that. I guess he he probably forgets that you play on that side of the field because nobody ever throws the ball to you because you are, in fact, a shutdown corner. But please, Matt, continue. Really? You had you had you had to do that. Okay. You know I'm not lying. You're not. I honestly forgot about him. I honestly forgot about EG. Every That's every how time good he is. Every Everybody every time every time I think of EG, I only see him return to punts. Nobody throws him the ball. Nobody throws the ball to his side of the field. It's a beautiful thing. Um. So I, I think he he steps in, probably steps into Eric Garrett's spot, and and makes an immediate impact. Um. Another kid that's going to make an immediate impact is Caleb Edwards, six foot, two hundred twenty one pound linebacker out of West St. John High School in Edgard, Louisiana. Uh, he is the second highest ranked recruit of all time. He is the 68th best linebacker in America and the 32nd best athlete in the state of Louisiana. And, you know, an interesting thing about him is you look at his offer list or teams that, you know, showed interest. Arizona State, Colorado, Houston, Memphis, Michigan State, Mississippi State, Penn State, he had offers from all these schools, Tennessee, Tulane. The only school on his list that didn't offer him was Ole Miss. But Penn State, Mississippi State, Michigan State, Memphis, Houston, Colorado, Arizona State. I mean, unreal numbers. And then, you know, 24-7 Sports has their crystal ball predictions of where they project these guys to go. They had 100% odds that he wound up at Mississippi State. Isn't it great to be ranked? I'm just saying. Uh, another thing is that how long, for how long did we say, if we can just land a couple of these top 100 Louisiana players, we could have a sick program? Well, two years in a row, we've, we've gotten several. You know, it was funny when HUD came in. He told us he was going to put a gate around Louisiana. Gate around Acadia and all this stuff. We've got five in this class. Yeah. Billy actually went out and did that, and he passed on that knowledge to the guy that's the head man now. So, you know, Mike has been credited. Mike and Tim Leger have been credited with facilitating some of the best relationships with head coaches around the state that we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's just amazing. I mean, I made a comment to Jerry. Jerry, you remember when – just getting one three-star recruit was something that we were like, oh, my, if we could just pull that off somehow. And now we have classes chock full of them. It's just – it's exciting times, man. Well, I remember back in the day we used to get recruits. We, You know, we we take a recruit from ULM or every once in a while we take one from Tulane or McNeese. I mean, just look at look at the offers that, that, that guys like DuBose and Edwards are getting. Um, Mississippi State, Michigan State, Arizona State, Tennessee – Oklahoma? Are you kidding me, man? Are you serious? Like, we're getting those type of guys? I mean, that's unreal. Yeah. That's um, unbelievable. One kid one kid that I really want to talk about 
is Zeon Chris. And he's he's kind of the kid that everybody everybody in our program has been talking about lately, right? Yeah, he he's he's probably the highlight of the of the yeah, class. He, I would he's, say. he's he's been the name. Six one, one hundred ninety five pounds out of Madison Prep. Um, you know, I talked to somebody the other day, and we were talking about Zeon Chris, and I heard somebody say, "Take Levi Lewis, add three inches to him, and make him a better passer." And a right-handed quarterback. And a righty. Right. And you have Zeon Chris. Well, and Zeon Chris outplayed Walker Walker uh, Howard in their game in the playoffs last year. Uh, that, that's, and that's also, again, opinion. this year. Yeah. I mean, that's not my opinion. That's, that's people that follow high school football and recruiting. So, let that sink in. I mean, this guy's got the measurables. He's got the pedigree. Uh, there's no reason why he can't be successful at our program. Not to mention he had offers from... Air Force, Army, Memphis, Miami of Ohio, San Diego State, um, and um, there's a school in our conference. We kind of developed a little bit of a rivalry with them. App State? Yeah, he had an offer from App, too. Wow. And wound up here. So big, big get for for Mike Desermo. A couple other guys of note. Can we talk about Bryant Williams? An offensive yeah, tackle behemoth. Six seven three fifteen. He's the 59th best player in the state of Louisiana. Um, he is the 164th best offensive tackle in America. He had offers from Colorado and Tulane. Yeah. See, what happens is when you put multiple linemen over multiple years in the NFL, you keep those type of guys. Yeah, one hundred percent. Hashtag, hashtag plate lunch bunch. The plate lunch bunch. Well, when you have an offense that runs the ball a lot as much as we do, if you're an offensive lineman and you want to get dirty in the trenches, why not come here? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I mean for sure. Um, another kid that I want to talk about, he hasn't signed yet. Uh, from what I've heard, he's supposed to sign in January. I mean, in February. Uh, Charles Robertson, a wide receiver from Zachary, six foot one, hundred seventy-two pounds, fifty-sixth best player in the state, two hundred and fifth best receiver in America. Uh, he has offers from these are the schools we competed against: Tulane, South Alabama, La Tech, and Florida State. He is currently verbally committed to the Cajuns. What, he doesn't want to go play in a conference with Sam Houston and Jacksonville State? Come on, man. Oh, Jerry. I love beating Tulane on, on recruits, too. Tulane and Nick. I, I just love whooping their ass in the, on the recruiting trail. What? Come on, Josh. P6, baby. Oh, yeah. American. The P6. Other, other guys yeah, there's, another, there's another R1 university in his damn state now, so they can kiss it. Other guys that fill out this recruiting class, Jaden Johnson, a wide receiver from Missouri City, Texas, 6'2", 205. Terrence Carter, a tight end from Harker Heights, Texas, 6'3", 240. Damon Youngblood, a DB from McKinney, Texas, 5'10", 180. My personal favorite. Yeah, he's he's going to be a stud for us in, in the secondary. He's a, he's a nasty dude. He plays... 
He plays like uh, he, he plays like CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah, I like he, that he really does. Ooh, okay. he, he really does. Right. Um, and then Marcus Weiser is a D line transfer from Kilgore Junior College. They have a good JUCO program over there in Texas. Six all American. Six one two ninety five. Yeah, JUCO all American. Um, so that fills out this class, the early signing class at least. Um, obviously more guys will sign come February. What is it? February 6th? It's always the first Wednesday. Yeah. So something like that. Fifth, sixth, something like that. Um, for early signing day. I mean, for national signing day, excuse me, getting my words mixed up. Uh, gentlemen. Real, no, good. Real good. quickly. I, I, you know, Josh brought up a good point and, and, and I know we didn't, we, we kind of talked about it last week, but go on the academic side. UL. You about to talk about us being a Carnegie R1? One of 137 universities of the top 137 universities. We are now recognized as a Carnegie R1 institution. Now, maybe it's just me. I'm more, I was more excited about that news than I was the bowl game. Jerry, so I, I we we obviously we all love Jerry, right? But ever since this news has been announced, Jerry brings it up in every conversation that we have. Every single it time. Be. It should be. It's uh, so and huge. I, and I agree. It's it's monumental news. I just it find is. it so funny how just everything, hey, you know, we're now in R1. Yes, hey. Jerry, we know. <laughs> And 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 I, the reason why I do it, and I know we're laughing about it, it's you know it's funny, but you want your university to get sent off into the stratosphere, academically and perception wise. That's how you do it. You know, this isn't the the U.S. News Tier One popularity contest that the people up in Rustonia like to talk about. This is the <laughs> these this is the rating that the acad, academic academia uses to rate schools, and to get that rating. Um, you know, UL becomes a third university in the state next to LSU and Tulane. And it's the fourth. No, it's the third. Hmm. It's there's only two. It's Tulane. It's it's a uh, and M over there. And it's us. Period. Loyola's not an yeah. R1. They are nope. not. They don't do. They're, they're not, not a research institution. Yeah, they're oh, not a research. OK, now they could be if they were. I mean, they, they are a good enough school to do so, but they don't do the research we do. But. Oh, so wait, you're, you're telling me that Louisiana Tech was not good enough to be labeled a R1 institution. No. I'll ask again. Have you been to Rustonia? I, I have, un- unfortunately. <laughs> Those unfortunately. I'll be I'll be nice cuz look, it's but too you much know, good news for me to talk shit. I'll, I'll I'll give I'll give this to a school that a lot of people forget about. With the nursing program that they have. I'm honestly a little surprised at Northwestern State is not an R. They just don't. It's it's about it's 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 the amount of PhDs, the number and enrollment and PhDs that you produce, as well as research dollars, and yep. it's not even close. I mean, look, believe it or not, I want to say LSU's research, and this is the they call it the premier institution, right? The oh, we're the flagship. They might have had uh, maybe fifteen million dollars more in research than we did, maybe. While their peers in the SEC, some of them rival around a billion dollars worth of research. I think LSU might have had 160 million, like 10% of that. Jerry, they're not here to play school. They're here to play football. 
Well, that's, what it, right. that's what it sounds you like. You ain't lying. So, their, their library is falling apart around them. I mean, dude, there there are sections of their library that can't be money. accessed by students. They asked for they they. I think it was in 2019 where they went to uh, F King Alexander and said, "Hey, uh, uh, or no, uh, F King Alexander went to uh, the what was the, what state? Was the guy from Duke? TAF? The well, AD. So so TAF TAF usually donates around eight to ten million a year because they right, have to in academics." And they actually stopped doing it recently but, and basically told the academic side to go raise money, go fundraise. But don't but don't you don't you know that LSU is just such a superior institution? Well, Jerry, they had to use that money to pay off their coaches and their investigation fees. So they had to they had to keep that in <laughs> oh, the back pocket. They speaking, knew that was coming. Speaking of investigation fees, the the private investigating firm that the NCAA hired to investigate all those different schools, Arizona, LSU, North Carolina, all of them. Um, they have wrapped up their investigation into a university. They're not saying which one. I just, I read on Twitter today that they have wrapped up their first investigation and will release the findings in the coming days. These people move slower than the damn government. Why is it taking so long? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but, but getting 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 away from that. Anyway, um, yes, my bad. We are R one. Con- congratulations, so congratulations to Doctor Savoy and you know Jamie Abair and all everybody in Martin Hall. Uh, this is an outstanding accomplishment, and everybody should be incredibly proud of it. I know, as still being a current student, I'm proud of it. Um, uh, now I get to say that in four months I get to graduate from a. Carnegie R1 institution. So that's well, for people, pretty damn cool. For people like me, you know, Jerry's good because his wife went to UL. People like me that have an LSU grad wife and have to go to the house divided Christmas and all this crap that's coming up this week. You get to go in there, you get to go in there with the best football program in Louisiana, in Louisiana. For the second year in a row. It, yes. And you get to, you know, drag your sack across their face because we're tier one. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So don't let them t- don't let them talk down to you anymore, guys. Just go and <laughs> say what needs to be said. Oh man, it's, it's it's thirty it's it's thirty years in the making too. That's what's so impressive about it. And and look, I, there's a lot more to come with with this university on the academic side. There's a lot of opportunity, and and Dr. Savoy and and Dr. Abair and, and and their staff are on top of it right now. I mean, look, they want to grow this university even more than what it is. This is how you do it. This is the catalyst for that. Um, when you see that type of rating of, of research, people jump. It's yep. almost like it's almost like when you it's like in sports when you win, people want to jump on the bandwagon. So, yeah, again, I, I know I know, Matt, you say I emphasize this a lot. I can't emphasize it enough. No, this for sure. So, it's, it's, so it's, monumental. it's monumental. It's monumental. It really and, is. And, and, and Josh, please, please keep your sack off of people's faces. Please don't do that. Hey, look, <laughs> if they need a good slack, uh, uh, sack slap, you give it to them. No, <laughs> sack man, slap. It's, oh, listen, that's a it's good important. one. Jerry's talking one. about growing the university, but look, people want the degree that they earn to be as prestigious as possible. And Damn if, right. they work for, if, they, if they work for an institution, they want their job to be as prestigious as, as possible. So Damn not, right. only are you, not only are you attracting better students, you're, attr- you're attracting better uh, better professors and better, uh, more money for the endowment, more money for the university, more money for research, all that. 
Preach it, brother. Preach it. All right, moving on. It's just it's huge. It's huge. Um, once again, congratulations, to everybody at Martin Hall. Uh, moving on quickly because we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this. There's just there's only so much we can say at this point. <laughs> what the hell do we do with basketball? Well, for starters, you go win the first two games on the road in conference. You don't want to start zero and two, so you go. You who go who, who, who do we play the first two games of conference? App State and Coastal. You're losing both of them. Well, you know what? You're you losing both of them. them. You got to go win them. You go win God those damn, games. Man, what happened? What happened to your optimism, dude? At 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 best, at <laughs> best, at best, you narrowly beat App and go get your doors blown off by Coastal. I just want to so, say, I just want to say, it's still early. It's still early. We reversed the rules. <laughs> I love it. Well, just a little or some stats of, of the past seven seasons since 2014. Oh, please, um, please don't bore us with this mediocrity. Well, I'm, I'm just, this oh, is just no. to make a point here since, um, so, so we are averaging a conference record out of 18 games of 11 and seven. So that would mean if we go, I'm and singing. We would be what five? That's sixteen and twelve. Sixteen if, and twelve. If that trend follows, so you you definitely want to go at least fourteen and four to make a run and and have a respectable year. Never gonna happen. I can tell you. I can tell you right now. App's a loss. Coastal's a loss. Georgia State's a loss. And then you're gonna slip up to somebody else. There's your four losses right there. And then you're going to slip up again because that's just what, you know, we're always going to lose to the three and 10 team at home that we shouldn't lose to. So boom, hey, there's five losses. I already win. Have you seen, have you seen the net ratings for the Sun Belt that came out? <laughs> it's uh, atrocious. Days ago? It's atrocious. Okay, so if we go off of just the net ratings, we're middle of the pack, right? So that means we probably lose to five of the teams. The five teams ahead of us, or the six teams ahead of us, are Monroe, Arkansas State, Coastal, Georgia Southern, We Are South, and Texas State, who has a net rating of 72, which is pretty damn good. We're losing to all of them. All of them. Well, you got to play, you got to play at least twice to your uh, your division opponent. Right, so, so you're playing Texas you State split, twice. You're playing Arkansas State twice. You're playing South twice. And they're good. They look good. So, but just to let you guys know, we're two twelve. We're number yeah, two twelve. It, it, it's awful. Ratings. So in those in those six games against those three opponents, I say we go two and four. Just let's let's be optimistic and say we go three and three. Do we lose one other game in conference? There's no way. You're saying we lose only more, lose one saying. other game in conference? Is that what you're saying? Well, you you would have to lose. Uh, right. Only one other game to go fourteen and four. You're losing the app. You're losing the coastal. You're losing the Georgia State. At and then whoever you say. lose to in the division, right? Dude, I'm telling you right now, twelve and six in conference would be a success. Oh, for sure. I mean, it would be twelve and uh, six in conference would be a me, success. What's amazing to me is Georgia State is ranked two thirty three in the net. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, 
they they definitely aren't off to the start that many people thought that they would be. But uh, myself included. Well, what's what's what scares me is Arkansas State beats Air Force yesterday by twenty, and Arkansas State's usually a weaker team in our division. Got, <laughs> yeah, well, they ain't weak this year. You've got ULM beating Stephen F. Austin and beating Southern Miss as bad as we beat Southern Miss. Yeah, ULM so ULM's damn good. You've you've got teams in this conference that are really we're, good. You've got Coastal beat South Carolina by twenty five at their house. We're in trouble. We have a we're we in have, trouble. We're in we big have some trouble. Challenges. And the the game we you know we we recorded before the game against Houston last week. I want to make a comment about that game real quickly. Believe awful. it or not, awful. I don't awful think, awful. I don't think it was us. I don't think it was Houston that beat us. I think it was us that made a lot of. 100%. You know, 100%. I mean, you get momentum back, you turn the ball over, you can't you know you, you can't hold on to possession, you 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 can't get rebounds. There was one possession where and offensively, I mean, it was it, we had no offense. Um there was one possession, we were down by 7. We had made a run, we had all the momentum. Trajan Wesley takes it from the back court and the entire possession all the way from the back court is an iso. He held on to the ball the entire time, goes one-on-one, goes under the basket, comes back around, goes for another layup, gets stuffed, while the other four guys just stood there. I'm like, what What are you doing? What are you doing? What, what is that? Oh, um, just, just real quickly, switching from the men to the women. At least our women can beat La Tech. Yeah. So that's the that's the second time in forty three years that they beat Tech. So that's a big deal. Good for them. Nice they're off. They're off to an eight and two start going into conference. That's um, very good. Their two yeah. losses. Their two losses are to Houston and LSU. Yeah. Which I mean I'll, I'll, LSU. I'll, good God, it's Kim Mulkey. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, I thought one bad quarter did us in in that game, but but I, I do have comments about Houston. I, I think personally, I think that. Well, first of all, you got to remember that three of their top six rotation guys were out and then their fourth best player got injured at the end of the first half we'd have lost by 50 so having keeping that in mind i thought that their bigs and their wing guys were way more athletic I thought that we did what we always do. We turn the ball over. We're soft inside. We lack a true point guard that knows how to run the team efficiently. Uh, I thought that, dude, people will say that we played hard and pulled ourselves back into that game. And to a certain degree, that's true. But a walk-on, Kentrell Garnett shot us back into that game, pumped some life into the team. Outside of that, you know, Kobe Julian had a couple of nice moments. And I thought that, that Brown had some nice moments, but I mean, he wasn't close to the best player on the floor. And that is concerning every time we play one of these bigger opponents in order for us to do the things that this roster was expected to do. Brown's got to be the best player on the, on the floor. Jordan Brown came here to be a difference maker. And to this point, look, I I just don't see it, man. I just don't knock on him. Maybe he's still adjusting to his role. I don't know. Um, it's just hard to watch because our advantage was supposed to be in the paint on the glass. Uh, you know, our, our free throw shooting is still terrible. Our, our overall field goal percentage is not good. We still can't shoot three point shots. Uh, I don't see it. I don't think we play great defense, but at the same time, I don't think the defense is really the problem. I think it's just flat out 
carelessness with the ball. Uh, we make very slow and poor decisions too often. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm trying. I'm trying to be nice. Uh, I, I just the the lack of a true point guard really hurts. Trajan Wesley. Trajan Wesley is a nice player, but he's limited, and I don't know. I, I just don't know if he has the size. Honestly, what's he five ten? You know, I, I don't know, man. He, he doesn't do. He does a few things okay, but he doesn't do anything really well. And for me, like Jerry said, he just dribbles too much. You know, uh, what's the guy's name? Jones, the backup point guard, the young guy. Antoine Jones. Antoine Jones. Antoine yeah. Jones. Antoine Jones should be on the floor for 38 minutes a game. I don't understand why that guy doesn't play more. Is it a discipline issue? Is it a, is he making bad decisions? Is he you know what is it? I don't see it. Is it an injury that's limiting him? I I, I need to know answers there. Poor coaching. He seems he seems to be by far our best option when it comes to uh, the management of the team offensively. He seems like he gets us in the position better. He runs the offense better, the, the little bit of offense that we actually run. But he seems to be less careless with the ball, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Still can't understand why Antoine Jones isn't a starting point guard and doesn't stay on the floor much longer. Uh, yep, and Greg Williams is not showing me much. I'm disappointed with Greg Williams it, so it's far. It's bad. It's bad. It's all It's all bad. Um, and, you know, I, we're we're in big trouble. I can't say anything other than that. We don't take care of the basketball. We never run an offense. Like what? What? What offense do we ever run? Um, I I can't tell you. Half the time, I can't tell whether we're running a man or his own defense. I can't tell you what defense we're running. Half the time, um, we're undisciplined. We're sloppy. We are clumsy as hell around the rim. Um, just That's a good point, Matt. We we lack finishers around the basket. Just bad, dude. It's just bad. I mean, can can you think about this? We are sitting here, and we haven't talked about this yet, but we're going to go ahead and do it now. We're breathing a sigh of relief that our game with Loyola got canceled. I mean, let's be honest. We saw that they were ranked number one in NAIA and said, holy crap, they might give us a game. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, no, no. You're not wrong. No. I, I, don't, I think if, if you really look at it hard, and, I think that our mismatches would have created way too many problems. But and, you, and, never and know, I, you I, could I, run into a hot shooting team and it could, it could really affect your game. I say all these things with this much anger because I give a damn about the program. We're in trouble. Well, I think I think that we've been in trouble for quite some time. I think that you're going to see some changes here soon. Uh, sometimes you just dig too big of a hole for yourself to be able to crawl out of. I think we're with, witnessing that now. You know, I I think it was inevitable, honestly. You know, I, that's not a stretch. You know, our fans have had a certain opinion of of the current staff for a long time, and and. That opinion isn't imagined up. Right. Like some of us, some of us actually have a clue what we're watching. I'm not saying I'm a coach or I should be paid to coach the team. Of course not. Uh, but what we're seeing happen and unfold right in front of us is very similar to a lot of the things that we've said here for two plus years. Uh, Jerry, probably on the same same boat. 
But uh, that's unfortunate, man. You never want to lose. You never want to look like that on national television, you know, multiple times in a season. It's not great. Well, what have we been saying? No point guard, no offense, can't rebound, can't, you know, take way too many threes. Average free throw percentage. Every time we lose, every time we lose one guy and drop a game we're not supposed to, it's because the one guy got hurt instead of the fact that we have an entire, an entire bench that we love to brag about before the season starts every yep. year. But then I don't hear anything about the bench when we drop a game against an inferior opponent. It's always oh, still, the one guy, the one guy got still, hurt. We're still blaming an injury from last year. Yep. Injuries. Or it's a, always a backup, injuries. Injuries. A, a backup this. point guard that, that averaged four points a game and couldn't cover a bed. We're still blaming that injury. In, dude, we would we would blame an injury to Bob as to why we lost. Some people might say that we would we would blame a victory on that, but Anyways, I'm 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 tired of talking about basketball. It just makes me angry. Um, Jerry A. Bear, yes, sir. You know what time it is? What time is it? Can I tell you what? All right. Is the floor mine, Matthew? The floor is yours, Gerald. Thank you. All right, man. I tell you what. I even called you Gerald. Ah, I love it. I love it. Man, I tell you what, the number 13 never felt so lucky. Usually this number is one of a negative perception and a number that's unlucky. A number that reeks of misfortune, but not for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns football program. This past Saturday, the Cajuns won both their 13th straight and 13th game of the 2021 season by putting a bow on top of this magical ride with a 36-21 New Orleans Bowl victory over the Marshall Thundering Herd. This was also Coach Mike Desimo's first win as the new head football coach, and it was great seeing him lead this team out of the tunnel and also hold up that trophy at the end of the game. It just seemed fitting. Now, for someone who has been a fan for almost 30 years, I must say that I thought that this day would never come. Not necessarily winning the New Orleans Bowl because we've seen that before, but reaching double-digit wins into the teens, 13 wins, or finishing the season ranked in the top 25 for the second year in a row. I mean, just being ranked in the top 25 is something that I'm still trying to get used to even after doing it for two years. And yet, here we are doing just that. You know, growing up, growing up a Cajuns football fan was never easy. Sitting through losses against North Alabama, Northwestern State, Sam Houston State, or Jacksonville State would make people become apathetic and say, eh, this team will never get to the next level. Heck, let's just drop to a level like Division I AA because we can't even beat those teams. There was also a time when my 10-year-old self went crazy when the Cajuns won a thriller and overtime against the mighty, mighty Wofford. After the Wofford kicker missed the field goal to extend the game. And what a grand finale that was the 1999 season as they improved to a wonderful 2-9 and nine record. And how can we forget beating ULM in 2001 for homecoming, which created their first win streak in six years? Yes, back then, two wins in a row. 
first win streak in six years. How were we so bad? Well, while other schools like Louisville, Memphis, and Houston built facilities and improved their conference affiliation, unfortunately for us, we sat back and watched, scrapping with what we had or lack thereof. And it definitely showed on the field. It took the Cajuns from 1997 to 2003 to reach 13 wins. What we just accomplished in these four months, it once took our program six years to do. You know, when you put it in that kind of perspective, it's hard to imagine how we were able to even get to this point. But there's a lot of people who should be credited on getting us here, such as our university president, Dr. Savoy, who understands the importance of athletics and lets the people in charge run the show. How about our athletic director, Brian Maggard, who runs our program like a P5 and gives the resources necessary for our coaches to do their jobs in the best way possible. But also, let's appreciate those from the past. Guys like Coach Ricky Bussell, who built a foundation with nothing coming into this program and accepted the challenge to at least give a defibrillator jolt to a Louisiana football program barely on life support. Even though six wins was a ceiling during his tenure, we had a pulse to compete and be in contention with our peers instead of living in the bottom 10 of FBS schools. And let's not forget the times that showed what this program could be with a few lucky breaks and a few steps forward. And how can we not forget Coach Mark Hudspeth, who brought energy and excitement to not only the football program, but our fan base, who was so hungry for a winning team that they flocked to Cajun Field and the New Orleans Bulls during his first four seasons just so they can be part of a program who saw what consistent winning seasons look like. It's safe to say the numbers nine and four became all too familiar with Raging Cajun football at that time. But with expectations came a little bit of underachievement. You know, sometimes one can become a victim of his or her own success. And that is what we saw with these two coaches. But no one can deny what they both did for this program, laying the foundation from nothing and building a program that once housed facilities and on-field results that even high school coaches want to know part of. During these two coaching eras, we saw the building of an indoor practice facility. We saw the construction of the Athletic Performance Center. We saw the creation of the RCAF. And we saw a massive increase in the financial budget as well as in addition to end zone seating at Cajun Field, just to name a few. But there is one more person to acknowledge, and we have done it quite a few times over the last few weeks. His name, Billy Napier. A man who brought the culture of winning combined with those resources to a whole new level. Heck, on a national scale. He showed us how far this program can go with the right leadership, structure, and attention to detail to the point where a college football blue blood took him to ride its ship, making that in itself a new trend here at Louisiana. And just look at how we are being covered on a national stage. No longer are we mentioned only as the, quote, rental win against some Power 5 school. We are now being talked about with those Power 5 schools in the same conversations. And as much as we like to discuss our brand as Louisiana, you know, someone once told me, When you win, they call you what you want to be called. Well, the name Louisiana was not given. It's been earned because success breeds branding. 
And when I see that name Louisiana on the score ticker or on an opponent's website with a ranking next to it, I kind of look back at that Wofford game when we had to scrap to escape a win or escape with a win for a program that did not even have a cemented sidewalk to the other side of the stadium over the end zone hills. To start with basically nothing and end up where we are now, I see why Coach Mike Desermo says that this job is personal because it's personal to all of us because we know where we have been. We know that we had to claw our way back or claw our way back then to even get to this point. So, man, I tell you what, 13 wins in a row to a 13-win season. You know, if I could go back in time to that 1999 Wofford game as my present-day self and meet 10-year-old Jerry, I would tell him, you're excited now about this win, but just wait. A few decades from now, this team will be one of the best in the country. Now, little Jerry would probably tell me to keep dreaming, and he'd probably laugh at me. But the reality, it is real. Our top 25 ranking is real. Our conference championship is real. Our third straight bowl win is real. Our 13-1 and record is real. The culture is real. To our coaches, players, and staff, thanks for the greatest season of Raging Cajuns football to be continued in 2022. You know, it's funny. For the last three years, it's been, oh, this was the greatest year in school history. And the next year it was, now this is the greatest year in school history. And now this year, it's again the greatest year in school history. Just unreal, unreal to think about. You know what that means? Next year, undefeated. I mean, hey, that's if you follow the trend, that's what's that's what's coming. I'm just I'm just saying. Dang, I'm all. I want to start it. talking about expectations. Hey, I got a quick baseball note. If anybody's interested. Hell yeah! What you got? Collegiate baseball just dropped their top fifty teams. We're not in it. Uh, Texas number one, uh, the Purple Mess number three. Tex fifteen. Number fifteen. The next South yeah. Al number thirty six. Yep. Cajuns received votes but did not end up in the top 50. Uh, ODU came in at 49 and Southern Miss at 48. Yep. So. Good good Sunbelt representation, but not not what we wanted. We, we shall see. Uh, I actually am a little bit more optimistic than I thought I would be at this point. Yeah, I'm excited about baseball. Uh, I think it's going to be a good year. Uh, I'll tell you what. I think we have some. I think we have some potential. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. And obviously we'll dive deeper into that and softball as as the season's get closer we're about eight weeks away oh it's getting close man it's it's coming see once 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 that last once that final second ticks off the clock in the bowl game all of a sudden the diamond sports it just kind of comes into vision right Right. it's like when you see that it's like when you've been out to sea for three or four days and you see that shoreline i wish i wish i wish we were good enough on the hardwood to where basketball would come into vision but they can start they can start next week at app state and coastal Gentlemen, before we go, um, it would not be Christmas time if we didn't talk about our favorite Christmas traditions. 
So one of y'all go. What y- what y'all got? Um, I always enjoyed Christmas Eve at the house. Uh, we'd go to New Orleans, visit my family and my wife's family. But this year, because we've got uh, Bebe on the way, we've got the families coming to us in Lafayette. So we're celebrating Christmas for the first time at the Bear household. We are being the hosts. So uh, we're going to get a little bit of change of tradition, but I'm looking forward to it. And it's always a good, it's always good to celebrate Christmas with, uh, with your family and, you know, we sit back, we drink some hot chocolate, watch It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve. Can't miss It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, listen to Christmas music, old school Christmas music. So looking forward to it this week. And to all our fans out there in Cajun Nation, I wish you uh, you and your family a Merry Christmas. It's a Wonderful Life. A classic. Well Indeed. done. Well done, sir. Jeremy Indeed. Stewart, man. Indeed. Um, I, you know, Matt, it's a good question. I have... I have a few traditions, I guess, that I've adhered to throughout the years, but I have a young family. So we're kind of starting to build our own, our own uh, new traditions. And this year, what we decided to do is that uh, Moncus Park put on the, the uh, basically a festival of lights in the park. Right. So we're doing that and that should be fun. That's going to be the first time we do that. So looking forward to that, but you know, we'll do the hot chocolate on Christmas Eve. We'll make Santa's cookies. Uh, the kids will go to sleep. We'll drink a bottle of wine and put together toys until 3 a.m. Hell yeah. That's what you guys have to look forward to. Is Moncus Park open now with the Christmas Not lights? Because I passed the, by the, the Christmas The Christmas thing is open. Yeah, but um, it's not officially open. The park yet. itself is not officially open. But you right. can drive like and see it from the... Yeah. Yeah, I think right. you can walk it too. And it you looks can walk really it. awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah you can walk it. It looks amazing. Night, I you know what it really looks like? It looks like City Park. Yeah, yeah, it really like does. Christmas in the Oaks. Yep, yeah, it really does. They've done um, a really nice job. Uh, but yeah, it's a really good question. I think that we're, uh, you know, for people with young families out there, try to build your own traditions. It, you know, take a few from your parents, and that's great and everything. But I think it's important to establish your own traditions with your with your own family. So we're we're working our way through that and trying to cement some new things. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's part of the deal. You get to be parents. You get to make your own decisions. So. Yeah, you no, guys will find out all about that soon. No doubt about it. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to spending some time with the family. Um, and interestingly, you know, you talk about building new traditions. I'll get to start that next Christmas because this is my last Christmas as a technically single man. Here, here. So I will have my own little family to build traditions around starting next Christmas. So super excited about that. But, uh, and it's worth it, man. I'll say this. Once you get into the married life and, and you marry into a family and vice versa, it, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we, you know, we've enjoyed it over the past five and a half years we've been together. And now we have a little one on the way that, uh, you know, the child I'll say this, Josh, I don't know about you being, being a dad, but I feel like the childhood of Christmas is going to come back rushing back now that, uh, we got Without little questions. Ones. Yeah. You know, it's funny because you have certain things that you do when you're a single younger guy or whatever. And Christmas is always a good time of year. But when you have kids, you forget, you, like, you don't know what you did before you had kids at Christmas. They make it and make it worth, right. you know, spending the money and staying up all the hours and, you know, cutting your fingers and opening presents and putting together toys for hours and hours. You know, none of that really matters. It's just you want them to be happy and you want them to uh, to feel that 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 closeness that you have with your family. And that's always an important part uh, of the, of the entire experience that I hope everybody really appreciates and, and it soaks it in. You know what I mean? 
Well, it's, it's safe to say that Santa's going to be stopping and being very generous at the Jagno household this year. Oh, well, you know, we've, we've done okay, but there, there's these kids. Oh, they're, they're so spoiled. I could slap them. Like, you don't even know how good you've got it, son. You don't even know how good you have it. Oh, big, no, big, they're great. Big they're great. cat and cam. They are great. Uh, they helped me. Yeah, did you guys see the uh, Rage and Review uh, yeah. ornament on the tree? That was beautiful, by yeah, the way. They did Fantastic. a good job with that. They did a that good was job good. Fantastic. <laughs> so in closing, we wish everybody a very safe and happy holiday season. Um, next episode of Rage and Review, obviously with the holidays, is to be determined. Um, we will try to get one out in between Christmas and the New Year, but if we do not, uh, pardon us. And we hope to talk to you guys next year. Uh, if, if we don't talk before then once again have a safe and very happy Christmas and New Year and as always 